We're back for episode 17 of the Walsh's Playbook. Uh, how you doing tonight, Christian? Yeah, very good. Keen to be back. Yeah, it's been a while since we did a um, an episode like this. You know, we were both here recording. Um, we had the Brian Gorgian episode, obviously, and the Kobe app, which was which is a bit different in structure. But tonight, we just got, you know, it's a bit more free-flowing, a bit like we, we usually did um, with the old episodes. Uh, it's going to be a bit of talk about the upcoming NBA season, uh, a little bit of hypotheticals and all-time stuff, and then we'll, we'll talk about some NBL as well. Yeah, sounds good. So I'm going to rattle off a few recent trades and signs. Um, so we had the Memphis Grizzlies traded Eric Bledsoe to the LA Clippers for Pat, Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Aturu. So Bledsoe's back with the Clippers after spending his first three years there. So that'll be that'll be big for big for Los Angeles. They get you know a defensive two way guard to put next to Paul George and Kawhi. And then to jump into some some Celtics news, they re-signed Marcus Smart on a four-year max deal, $77 million, and also Robert Williams on a four-year $54 million deal. So the Celtics with Brad Stevens now as the head of operations, Danny Age is gone. Um, he's, he's really looking to get those core pieces around Tatum and Brown to see, and as they look to take like the next step in, in, in their careers and, and, and jump back into the conference finals and hopefully have a finals berth soon. Um, next up, we have Joel Embiid re-signed with Philly on a four-year, $196 million deal. So um, we're going to talk a little bit a little bit later about the Ben Simmons drama, but they've, they've locked in their, their franchise player right there. Um, in one of the more interesting deals of the offseason, the Cavaliers acquired Laurie Markkinen from Chicago on a four-year, $67 million deal in a sign-and-trade. The Bulls received Derek, Derek Jones Jr., so that's another high flyer for them. Um, and Portland received Larry Nance Jr. So what I find really interesting about this is, uh, you know, Cleveland's gone really big with their offseason. They've drafted Evan Mobley um, with what with their lottery pick. He's like, you know, a, a very raw but like very, very big potential for him. But they've also got Jarrett Allen, Kevin Love, Taco Fall. That's a, that's a big lineup. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, who gets moved on. Apparently Kevin Love doesn't want to receive a buyout. He wants to stay with the team. So minutes are going to be a little tight there for the bigs, which will be interesting. Um, and Trent, some big news for the Lakers. Rajon Rondo's back. Um, he got a buyout with the Grizzlies and re-signs with the Lakers. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, thanks Woj. Firstly, for for catching us up on everything that we um, that we'd missed out on uh, since our last recording. Mm-hmm. But um, no, yeah, it's interesting to have Rondo back with LA. I mean, I'm a guy. I always have loved Rondo, no matter where he is, no matter how old he is, and no matter how much he's going to be on the court. He's like a second coach. He's like a coach on the bench. You know, he's a coach for the guys in the locker room. Uh, incredibly high IQ guy, and if, yeah. even if he's just a lower part of the rotation during the season, I expect him to play big minutes in the in playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's always a great playoff player. Um, we were just having a conversation about this earlier. You look at his, obviously, his court vision and his, his basketball IQ, mm-hmm. a guy who plays really, really well alongside Anthony Davis, who is becoming more and more, you know, the focal point of what the Lakers do. Um, and, you know, compared to Dennis Schroeder, who was starting at the point guard for the Lakers last year, uh, he's. I think it's four point three assists per game. Rondo was throwing to AD, AD as opposed four. to two point yeah. one for Schroeder last year. So essentially, uh, Rondo is giving him twice as many assists as Schroeder did at the point guard position. That's a guy who understands how to use the best players on his team. 
um, is he sets the table for everyone, and I think it's really cool to have him back. Yeah, they've got a very good chemistry, Rondo and Davis. This is the third time they played together. They, mm-hmm. were, they were together with the Pelicans for a little while, um, and then you know last year, sorry, um, last year, two years ago, winning the yep. championship with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, definitely big to get him back. Yeah, he's a winner. He's um, he's one of the smartest players that's ever played. And I like his attitude as well. He's feisty, which is great. It's going to be good to have him back. Yeah, definitely. Some more Lakers news. Um, DeAndre Jordan got traded to the Pistons, and they, um, very likely he's going to have a buyout there. And he's the most likely destination. Destination seems LA. So, mm-hmm. um, some some more more strength at that center position. They've already got Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. um, but you now you now get DeAndre Jordan, just another another bouncy big who's going to come in and, and defend really well. Yeah. And then, did you see uh, George Carl? Uh, what, what he tweeted about this Lakers squad? Yeah. Uh, George Carl, for those of you who don't know, is a longtime NBA coach. He, he mm-hmm. has some very controversial takes, and a lot of NBA players actually don't like him. Yeah. Blatantly honest about not liking him because mm-hmm. he's, he's, he rubs people the wrong way at times. But he said, uh, after seeing the Lakers uh, roster, he said, wow, this team's going straight to the 2012 NBA yeah, Finals. It, yeah, like, it's a, it's but, a lot um, of prime talent from that, that yeah, era. It is, yeah. It's an old team, but it's, it's a team full of vets, and DeAndre Jordan would be no exception to that. Um, but I think they're great, the Lakers. Are I mean, really yeah, cool. I'm incredibly, incredibly keen to see what they do this year. Mm-hmm. And then to finish off um, a few more signings, uh, the Brooklyn Nets have you know fortified their front court LaMarcus Aldridge come out of retirement and signs with Brooklyn. For those that didn't know, um, Aldridge was, was with Brooklyn last year, but had to suddenly retire after, you know, I think they found uh, something wrong with his heart and he had to have, mm. you know, medically retire and it seemed like it was all done there, but he's now been cleared by doctors to return and signs back with the with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also got another power forward, so Paul Millsap signed with Brooklyn as well. So um, when you look at Brooklyn, like obviously the focal points on Kyrie, Harden and Durant, but they've, you know, they've got a lot of strong players in that in that front court. Uh, you know, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, and Lamarcus Aldridge. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they all coexist together on the court. Yeah. But um, no, that's my that's my wrap up. It's a it's an interesting part of the NBA season. It's just very boring now. You, a few few trades here and there, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, we're just waiting sort of for training camp to for sure. to come into yeah. it. Yeah. One team you mentioned, uh, Chicago Bulls. Uh, with the with the another another Derek Jones who's a high flyer. Yeah. Um. I I think they might be just the best layup line team in the history of the NBA. Like, could this just, be could this be another like Lob City like Lonzo Ball's going to yeah. be running the show? Is this going to be like you know just yeah. full court lobs? <laughs> I mean, I mean, at least they'll be good to watch in the warm ups. At least, yeah, with the yeah definitely. I don't know yeah. how how well it's going to translate necessarily. I think they'll be a good young team. There's a lot of promise there. But yeah, between with Lonzo running the point, mm-hmm. with Zach Levine, with um, Jones on the bench, and um, DeMar, DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan at the starting three. That's going to be very bouncy athletic team. They'll be fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and one of the big uh, big dramas of the offseason is you know, Ben Simmons has... Mm. Has come out and said that he's, you know, he's demanding a trade. Um, he's not gonna. He's he's told the Sixers, it's like it's all rumors, but like it seems to be true from all the sources. Um, he's not gonna be coming to training camp. Yeah. Um, very interesting how that all soured out in Philly, and like he's he's had a lot of hate on him, but like, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, Simmons, it's really interesting. Um, he's a guy people were saying for years that he is, you know, if he had a jump shot, he'd be one of the best players in the world. It was yeah. like it was like people would say he was LeBron. He's without LeBron, a, without yeah. A jump shot. And you like it's it's true. He's incredibly talented um, in so many areas. Can do so much for you on the court, but just becomes a liability in in big play, in big situations. Yeah, where, yeah. You know, you have you know you have a guy who's you know Joel Embiid's your best player, but he's your second best player, and he's a liability for you. He's actually you know hurting your chances when he's on the court because they the defense can shift their entire schemes yeah. around just knowing that he won't shoot, daring him to shoot, and just clogging the paint, and that that's a big problem. And then. I think uh, I think uh, Doc Rivers' comments uh, apparently got to him. Like again, mm. this is all rumors, but 
uh, Doc Rivers after the game, after they lost, were eliminated last playoffs. Uh, head coach Doc Rivers was asked, "Do you see Ben Simmons being a star in this a star point guard in this yeah. league?" And he said, "That's not something I have an answer to right now." Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of, kind of representing the franchise, almost giving up a little bit of faith in him. And it seems as though he's definitely given up faith in them as well. As much as I think, like, you know, there, there's faults on both halves. Like, I think Ben Simmons has, you know, sort of, you know, hurt himself by not developing that jump shot in his first, like, four or five seasons in, the, in his career. But I also wasn't happy with how Philadelphia dealt with it. it was exactly with what you said there. Like, when he was asked, um, is, is Ben Simmons a championship point guard? And Doc Rivers said, I don't know. And I, I don't think that's something a coach really should say out in the mm. open, especially when you, you like... Um, like they, they could have moved forward together. They could have done something. I think that's sort of where it sort of cut ties. And then also he had Joel Embiid say after that same game, um, just like you know he wasn't he didn't know what Ben was thinking when he you know when he passed off that layup. Yeah, oh, well that was ridiculous. That was yeah, like yeah he. Like, but yeah, but I agree. Yeah. They they've sort of soured that. Um, yeah. But in, making things public like that is very dangerous. Um, and yeah, but Simmons he's interesting. Uh, I mean you do have to pin him. You know when is he going to learn to shoot? He's been paid like two hundred million dollars to just to learn how to shoot the ball. Like otherwise he's he's every, he's got everything else. I, I love seeing those off season scrimmages every off season where Ben Simmons <laughs> is in those scrimmages and he's shooting yeah. threes. Everyone everyone's like, oh wow, he's going to come into the season and start shooting threes. And it's been three years where he hasn't yeah. really done that yeah. yet, has he? Well, speaking of you know off seasons, um, I actually. Um, I won't. I won't disclose my source. I'm speaking yeah, as yeah. if I have. I'm <laughs> speaking as if I have a source in the NBA, which I absolutely don't. But I am good friends with a coach who is, you know, involved with high up in the Australian basketball program, and who, uh, when Ben Simmons visited Australia during an off season, uh, he was actually present for a conversation that was had between the Melbourne Tigers head coach and Ben Simmons' personal trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a Ben Simmons' personal trainer at the time, um, you know, the Melbourne Tigers coach was asking him, so what do you guys do with Ben in the off-season? You know, what are you doing to develop his shot? Like, what are you doing? And his trainer said to him, you know, I'll be honest with you, I haven't, uh, I've, I've, I saw him for seven days in the off-season. Seven yeah. days in an off-season. Uh, he said, that's all I've had with him. It's not what you like to hear. And that's that's yeah. coming straight from the words of, of his trainer, that he's, you know, he's hardly getting in the gym. He said he had fashion week this week. He had, you know, sponsorships and ads. And of course, you know, um, there's the business side of the NBA. All that stuff is important, but he is being paid a lot of money to, to learn how to shoot the basketball and he's, he's yet to do it. Yeah, you, you hope that this coming into this season wherever he ends up, and that's something I want to talk about in a moment. But um, like, yeah, he's, he has to take that step forward because otherwise, yeah, as you said, like, Whoever, whichever star player he's playing with, whichever team he's playing with, he has to, you know, not hurt them by like, you know, not being willing to shoot. Mm -hmm. But in terms of where I think he would be a great fit, obviously we know him and Embiid aren't great because they both want to be in the paint, mm -hmm. paint like for their offense. Um, I, I want him to go next to a star shooting guard. That's why I would like him to go to Portland, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think you do a straight-up swap for him and CJ McCollum. Yeah. CJ McCollum, I think, would flourish next to Embiid. You know, he hasn't been an all-star yet, but I think he's played to that level where he can be an all-star. Yeah. Um, and then you get Ben Simmons next to next to Damien. Like, obviously, Damien's going to be one to shoot the ball a lot more, mm -hmm. but I think it'll give him a bit more confidence playing next to a, you know, an all-NBA guy, a guy who's you know possibly an MVP one day, yeah, um, yeah. To, to maybe raise his confidence to shoot the ball. Yeah, I actually really like that. I, yeah. hadn't, I hadn't even... I haven't thought of that. I mm. haven't seen anything about that, but that is that is a brilliant. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Uh, just thinking off the top of my head, you know, you've got Dame Lillard, who is phenomenal, phenomenal, one of the best players, one of the best scorers on the planet, and ice cold. No but, and and yeah. I, I, Damian Lillard is like one of my top three favorite plays in the NBA today. Mm. So I'm not knocking him at all, but he's also, he's not a facilitating point guard necessarily, yeah. right? He's a scoring point guard, mm -hmm. which is fantastic, right? He's great at what he does. 
but um, he's you know, he, and he can facilitate, but it's not really his his main game. Yeah, yeah. So to bring in Ben Simmons, who is able to pass and you know run that facilitate position, pick have, and roll, have, have with the Lillard bigs, as the yeah, scorer. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be a really, really cool combo, yeah. And also, he could like he could go to a team like uh, also another option. I was thinking maybe Toronto, where you know they've got some you know good players like Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. uh, Fred Van Fleet, and he'd sort of have maybe more space to you know control the offense and shoot the ball maybe yeah. a bit more. But my, my pick is Portland. I think I think like I think it's pretty obvious he will get traded before training camp. I think that's probably in Philly's best. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get you get your player back and they can sort of move forward, but. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see where that ends up because you know he's a big time player. He's a three time All Star, one of the best defensive players. He does have the talent, but oh, he's he's incredible. And, yeah. and the thing is, if it was if this was another generation, um, if this was a little while ago, it wouldn't even matter. Like he yeah, would, yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would be one of the best players in the world. No one would bat an eye. But the way the game is trended and towards you know high volume jump shooting and teams can pack the paint and, and make him shoot, just force him to shoot. That's um you know that that's just the way the game is now and, and and it doesn't suit him until he learns how to shoot it. Yeah, definitely. We're keen to see where he goes. Um, and now we're going to jump into a new segment called Fact or Fiction. Do you want to tell us yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. So what we've decided to do, um, we've just come up with kind of three statements, I guess, statements mm-hmm. slash questions. That they'll be said in the form of a statement, and uh, you know, we're both gonna. Oh, it's two each. Two each. Two, two each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're both just kind of want to give give one of those to each other and, and see what the other person thinks. Is it fact yeah. or is that fiction? You know, is yeah. that something that's legit or not? So, do you want to start off? I'm going to start with so fact or fiction. Has Kevin Durant had a better career than Larry Bird at this point? And like as a Celtics fan, like um, it's very different areas. Like obviously, like KD's more athletic um, and probably like you know maybe a better scorer than than what Bird was, but. Bird was like obviously like so good in his short in his short like 10 11 year career uh, three time champion two time MVP two time finals MVP sorry three time MVP um, but he also played on two defensive second teams something Durant mm. hasn't done yet we know Durant's a very good defender but I don't know what are your thoughts on that um, I feel I feel <laughs> it's like a difficult it's, thing to it's really yeah. tough and I also feel like I'm hating for saying this but I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. yes. But I, Larry Legend is an absolute legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the greatest ever. But I, I'm going to say yes. And, and it's close. It's not as... I mean, people who are just watching the game today and don't know the legend of Larry might not understand why yeah. it's so close. Like, yeah, they might yeah. think that that's obvious, but it's really not obvious. Yeah, so yeah. I really... I cringed having to even answer that. Yeah, no, it's a tough thing. Larry's Larry's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think KD just... I mean, athletically, it's it's chalk and cheese, you know, completely yeah, different. Yeah. Um, and and he can do what Larry could do in terms of shooting, the, being tall and shooting the ball and mm-hmm. scoring from anywhere on the court, which yeah. Larry was so good at. Mm. But he can do that as well at seven foot and can run and dunk and, 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 and everything that he can do as well. Larry's defensive instincts were incredible. He yeah. was a really underrated defender, but... I think just AD, um, KD's natural athleticism just gives him a lot. One more. thing you probably give Bird the edge in is uh, passing. I think Cad, Bird yeah. had Bird yeah. had a six point five career yeah. average in terms of assists. Like he was he was like such an amazing superstar because he was yeah. such a good shooter. Three time, um, I think he won the three point contest like three yeah. times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good shooter, but he could also create for his teammates yeah. in like a way that yeah, no, he's definitely could. got him on the passing. Um, and when you look at career accolades, is it what three championships each? Is yeah. that right? Three to KD's got two. Because he won two with the Warriors. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Two with <laughs> the bad. Warriors. And yeah. he's probably... Like, when yeah. it's all said and done, I think Katie's probably going to have like three or four. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, for some reason, yeah. For some reason in my head, Katie had three. I, I, but um, yeah, no, you're right. So so Larry's still got him. So I think it's early. I mean, at the end of the career, I think it's going to be... Kate, you can definitely put Katie above him on the all-time mm-hmm. list at the moment. You know, it's, it's a bit early to say. Yeah. Because like, Larry's, Larry's career reserve, deserves a hell of a lot of respect. Yeah. So, and then we'll jump onto yours. What do you got? Yeah. For so, my first question to you was: um, 
Dallas. So the Dallas Mavericks um, is an organization that star players want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. True or false? Is that fact or fiction? I think yes, because they they, they show a lot of, um, you know, they, they believe in their superstars. Like Dirk Nowitzki, we saw him go there and have like, you know, a 20-year career. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Cuban was always behind him. I, I, I don't think he would have ever really thought about trading Dirk. Yeah. Um, he was always... He was always invested in sort of keeping those, like keeping that superstar together. One thing he did do wrong was like after that 2011 championship season, he didn't keep those core guys around mm-hmm. Dirk. So I think from a superstar standpoint where you see like Luca come in and like he's getting sort of the same treatment that Dirk was getting early where Cuban wants to yeah. like, you know, put invest into him a lot. Look, I'd say yes. I'd say I say players want to play for yeah. him because I think it's a, I think it's a franchise that does, you know, really love their players yeah. and, and treats them a bit, you know, better than more than just like a trade chip or anything yep, like that. Yep. See, I've got a few, this is really interesting to me and the reason I'll explain kind of why I asked you because Dallas, so they, they obviously drafted Dirk and they've drafted Luca and they've had this franchise player and, yep. and they kept Dirk for 20 years. Yep. He's extremely loyal to the franchise and they treated him extremely well and it looks as though they're going to do the same for Luca. You know, you heard Mark Cuban say, like, I, I, I mean, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, he'd, he'd like, he'd rather divorce his wife than lose Luca, yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> but, you know, they really value that, that star. But, um, you know, no free. think of a free agent, a free agent superstar that's signed with Dallas in the, ever, ever. Yeah, it's been... It, it hasn't happened. They've always it, been in the mix, but like never really made it. But it, it doesn't make sense to me as well. There's something missing here. I don't get it because in the last decade... So they won a championship in 2011, right? Mm. Since then, that's a decade ago. Haven't made it past the first round, right? Haven't made it past, past the first round. Haven't signed a, an, mm. a, a star free agent. Why would a star free agent not want to join them, right? So Chris Stubbs was the second option on Dallas. Yeah. Um, and we're not sure how that's going to shape out at the moment. But imagine he's even out of the picture. You've got Luka Doncic, who's one of the best pl- young players in the world, a great passer, would make your job a lot easier. You've got Mark Cuban, who's an owner who people mm, love, yeah. who's incredibly enthusiastic. And you're in Dallas, which is one of the top-ranked NBA cities to live in. Why aren't free agents lining up to sign in at Dallas? I sort of wonder if it's maybe because they put too much into like, oh, we love Dirk mm, so much. Yeah. If you come here, you might not be the first option. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if it's that. And yeah. I think you sort of see the same thing happening with Luca. Like, yeah. he's obviously for the next. If he stays there for the next like fifteen to twenty years, he's their He's going to be their number one guy. Exactly. Um, you couldn't sign anyone else. Like they're not going to yeah. sign anyone else that's going to take away or upset their star yeah, player. So yeah. maybe they prioritize that too much. But we're in a league where I agree with that. I was thinking that was on my mind as well that mm-hmm. that might be the case. But you know, we're in a league where you kind of need two star. You need two stars to to no compete doubt. for a championship. Yeah. Like you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. As amazing as Luca is, uh, he can't win a title by himself. And Chris Stapps hasn't been a great option for them. They haven't worked incredibly well. So it looks as though you know they're both not going to be there long term. So I wonder, is a free agent going to join to play alongside him? Is that something that's going to happen? And is there a reason why free agents aren't knocking on the door to yeah. come play in Dallas? It doesn't seem to be a thing. Mark Cuban has never really been able to attract a superstar free agent. That's He's thing. drafted two fantastic two, yeah. European players Very lucky, yeah. who they've had their entire careers mm. but haven't brought in a free agent from anywhere. And it's a great city. Yeah, and it's interesting because you see now Chris Ups, Chris Ingus seems to be upset with him not being like a focal point in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what goes there, how they build around Luca. Are they going to yeah. be able to attract that free agent? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, as, it's a very good point you brought up. Like I don't know. I, yeah, I don't it's know weird. why. I think like, there's something yeah. missing. There's something missing to Something's me. Like, going what, on. What's going on in Dallas that people, you know, free agents don't necessarily want to go there. And it might just be yeah. that they know they'll be over shadowed by the one franchise player it might be that yeah it could be that um on to my next one fact or fiction do tony allen and zach randolph deserve to have their jerseys retired 
because I don't know if you heard the news. Because they, I don't know if you heard recently they they're retiring their jerseys next year. Mm -hmm. So um, I've got it here. So like they they never won a championship. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you like what what qualifies to win to to have your jersey retired? So Tony Allen. Seven seasons with Memphis, mm -hmm. three-time All Defensive first, three-time yep. All Defensive second. Mm. Zach Randolph, eight seasons with Memphis, eight seasons with Memphis, two-time All Star, All NBA third team once. Um, together, three semifinals berth, one Western Conference Finals berth. Mm. But the biggest thing about them is the grit and grind era. Do you yeah. think? Do you think a culture is enough to sort of get your jersey retired? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I guess you have to start by asking, uh, and I guess the answer is pretty simple. Like. Like, is, is the qualifications for what makes you, you know, someone whose jersey is retired, is that different depending on the franchise, right? Yeah. Or is there, is there a staple, this is what you get for your jersey being yeah. retired? Memphis haven't had a lot of success. They're a small a market city. Yeah, it's a small yeah. market. Yeah. So it's not comparative to the Lakers and whose jerseys they retire or Boston whose jerseys mm -hmm. they retire. So I guess you have to look at it that way, you know, if they're not going to have no retired jerseys, they yeah. have to retire some jerseys, and these are guys who've meant a ton to the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, no championships. Um, it's interesting. I, I think Zebo. I think Zebo. yes. Yeah, I think uh, Zach he, Randolph. Yeah, yeah. I think he was such a an, an iconic uh, Grizzly for a long time. Like, he, he was an iconic Grizzly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony Allen, and Tony Allen was a tremendous player. Um, I think Kobe can, once said yeah, that I was he was about like, to say yeah, that. yeah. I was literally about to say, yeah, Kobe said he was the toughest defender who ever guarded him so that's a, a huge credit yeah, to him. yeah incredible defensive player but you look at that yeah you look at that seven seasons with memphis and three six of them spent as a defensive uh, like as one yeah. of the best defensive player in the league yeah look i i, I get it for, I, as soon as i saw the news because this they've never retired a jersey this will be their first yeah two. um i went straight to mr memphis grizzly arvin villanueva mm. our friend and asked right. him i want to know like like what's your opinion on it? he's like as a fan he was just like i, I really like them yeah. retiring the jersey and i think if i was in the situation and like of like you know a team that hadn't it yeah, hadn't really won a championship yet um i'd probably be in for it as well because yep. i like they're culture guys and they, they yep. and i'm sure mike conley and and uh Pau, um sorry marcus yes. will probably have their jerseys retired yes. as well i assume mike as, conley definitely yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. but yeah. Um, um yeah that's that's it's a good question um and now, and I think of it, uh, I guess it's what matters to the fan base and to the culture yeah. of, of Memphis and the Grizzlies. And, mm -hmm. and they were the grit and grind era. They were very important to the fan base. So I guess, you know, it, it's in there. It's up to them to decide whether they were yeah. important enough to be, to be, uh, to reach that accomplishment. And it's a great accomplishment. Two great players. Yeah. And there's nothing against them. It's just, it's interesting. But yeah, yeah very like interesting that. question. Um, my, my second question is. So the 1996 NBA draft, if, mm -hmm. if you know yeah, it, is, yeah, yeah. All those it's guys. regarded as one of the, if not the most, you know, star-studded draft in the history of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Right? If you were to redo that draft, so there were some big names in that draft. This is kind of a loaded question, but I'm going with two names in particular. So in that draft, um, Iverson, Allen Iverson was taken with the first pick. Yep. Steve Nash was taken with the 15th pick. Right? Would you st still take Iverson over Nash, or would you take Nash over Iverson, knowing how their careers went? Oh, I, that's really hard. I, I really like Allen Iverson, mm -hmm. and I, I he's a player I wish had won a championship, and I wish he'd spent his whole career with Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting because they, like Steve Nash um, never won, sorry, won one title mm -hmm. with with Dallas. I don't know. I think if I was still in that situation and like I knew everything about their careers, I I personally still go with Iverson. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I, I I love. I love his game. I love his fearlessness. Um, he literally played like um, he only played like a fourteen-year career, and two of those seasons, I think he didn't play that much due to injuries or something. Yeah. And he still scored almost twenty-five thousand points in his career. He yeah. was an absolute bucket. One of the most entertaining players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish he. I wish he'd won a championship. But yeah. I'd. I'd still stick with Iverson at one. Yeah. See, I've. I disagree, and yeah. I, I love Iverson as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
Um, see, I was actually, the, I got this question from, I was actually listening to Bill Simmons on his podcast yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about just, they were redoing drafts and they mm-hmm. didn't ask this question specifically, but they were going through the 1996 draft and yeah. they said, you look at the, you know, they said themselves, you look at the, um, the course of the career, number one would be Kobe, yeah. who was 13th. Yeah, he would go first, and mm-hmm. then it's about who would be second and third. I, there's Iverson, there's Ray Allen, there's Steve Nash, there's guys like that, all Hall of Famers. Yeah, um, and I, I personally would take Nash over Iverson when you look at the whole career. So Iverson, Iverson burst onto the scene. It was an incredible scorer, unbelievable player at his size and everything like that. Full of heart, huge for the Sixers. Um, he made it to one finals appearance and then never made it to the finals yeah, again. Anyone, oh, right? yeah, yeah. His game, his his burst was incredible, but it, it was short. It yeah, was a short-lived yeah, yeah. thing. And he was, and he he's probably more iconic as a basketball player than Steve Nash. But yeah. people overlook Steve Nash and how incredible he was. Oh no doubt. Two-time yeah. MVP, right? NBA champion. Uh, you talk about he's the peak of consistency. You look at a 50-40-90 club. You know mm. that. You yeah, know, yeah, that's Fifty percent from. From the um, field from goal. the field, forty percent from the three, ninety uh, percent from the free throw line. He he owns he's he owns that club. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's on. The, he's the bouncer. He's kicking people out of that yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he's um like he he's the peak of consistency. So when you're looking at a draft, if you look at the whole career and you go, look, would I take the flash for 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 a little while, or would I take the long sustainable guy who's a pass first? He can pass. He can shoot. Can play on any team in any era. Probably go with Steve Nash number two over Iverson yeah, number yeah. three. No, but it's really close and really tough as well. No, I really like that. I, I, now that I think about it more, you know, yeah, Steve Nash had more like conference finals but yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, like I get that. But AI is phenomenal. But I mean, I, I would yeah. stick with AI, but I can 100% get with, yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and and then, interesting, sorry, just to, yeah, a yeah. little fun fact, I guess, on that point. Philadelphia had the first pick in the draft. Kobe's from Philadelphia, right? Which is interesting. So hometown boy. Had he yeah. been picked first, which was not an option back then because he was a high school kid, yeah. and they they would have been slaughtered for taking a yeah, high school yeah. kid back then. But had he been taken first, he would have been playing in his hometown. The second pick was Toronto, and that means that Steve Nash would have gone to Toronto. I, if my order is correct, Steve Nash would have been going hometown home boys. to, home yeah, to yeah, Toronto. Yeah. So it would have been really interesting that. Um, in hindsight, those teams could have drafted one of their hometown kids and, and had a very successful franchise player. Oh, it's very interesting to think about. That 96 draft is like mm-hmm. it just so star-studded. Yep. I still think it's probably the best draft. Yep. 03 is really good, but like 96 is just, yep. right now, just too many Hall of Famers yep. to look past. For sure. Um, now to jump into our next segment, the NBA All-Time. And it was um, thanks to everyone who voted for that. We've um, it, got, it, it got decided that it was going to be the signature moves. Yeah, we had signature moves. Top tar- top five signature moves of all time which yep. was what we settled on. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll, I'll start this time. You go first, yeah. So I'll start. We'll, we'll go back from five to, to one. one. Yeah. Um, and yep, so I'll start with... I'm, I'm going to start with a special mention, by the way. I know I'm kind of cheating by doing that, but I wanted to mention one that I... Um, that I think is really, really cool, but I haven't got it in my top five. It's just a particularly cool move. Is is Rondo's behind the back? You know, Rondo's um right his little behind the back yeah, yeah. fake behind the back for a layup. I think yeah. it's such a cool move. Um, I love that one. It's not in my top five because it hasn't had a huge impact on the on, game on or the, anything. Yeah, but yeah, really sick move. Uh, with number five, I'm going with one that might surprise you, but I'm actually going with the James Harden step back. As okay. number five. I like okay? that. Yeah, yeah, I get now, that. Now, some people might hate that. And I actually don't even like the move, but you have to appreciate Harden's step back and what it's done to basketball. You see stars like Luca, Trey Young, you know, those guys are doing the same thing, drawing fouls. It's one of the most you know, important moves. It's such an important NBA. move now. Yeah. That step back and then into contact or whatever it is. Um, a lot of times he'd get fouled and it's a four point play or it's three free throws. 
Uh, and a fun fact that I love to, to state is James Harden has, has scored more free throws than field goals in his NBA career. Yeah. And that's a credit to those moves, that his, his, the brilliance he has of moving his body and being able to get mm-hmm. fouled. So yeah, that's, no, that's no, I, I really like that one. The funny thing about your honourable mention is I've, uh, I've uh, put that Rondo pass back as my right. number five. Oh, so I'm just, I didn't mean to mention no, no, that No, no, that's, that's fine. As a Celtics fan, I just like uh, watching watching Prime Rondo do that was just was awesome. It always yeah. it always got the crowd going. It's It's been cool to see him continue to do that move and still fake people. You know, like uh, he's 36 now and he's still getting people with that yeah. move. So yeah. that's always going to be up there as one of my fav- favorite moves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at number four, I've got the um, Hakeem Dream Shake. Okay. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, they call him Hakeem the Dream because of his move. Uh, inc- he was a big with incredible footwork, and this move became you know a staple of, of how he would play on offense. Yeah. Um, so big and so mobile with his feet was incredibly hard to stop. So I got the Dream Shake. Um, at four, I've got MJ's reverse layup. Um, mm-hmm. Just a thing of beauty. The the amount of time Jordan spent in the air doing some of the doing some of those moves was just. It was it was mind boggling, yeah. um, and obviously such a successful su- successful move for his career. Um, so now I had that in a, in as my number four. Yeah, uh, and, and at number three, I've got his disciple. I've got Kobe. Now I'm going to explain this, but I've got Kobe fadeaway here at number three. Yeah. Okay. The reason, and I know that he learned that from Jordan. All yeah. right. But I've got a reason why I've got it at his fadeaway. So. Firstly, he took moves from Jordan and he he made that fadeaway his own, right? Jordan was great at the fadeaway. But as Jordan, so as Kobe got older and there was wear and tear on his body, he relied on this fade a lot more than Jordan did in his career, right? Jordan, like you said, the perfect example is the reverse layup. He was able to hang in the air. He had the big hands, he could palm the ball and could hang in the air and just glide, right? Kobe was a great athlete when he was young, but as Mm -hmm. he got older, injuries, you know, wear and tear on his body, he really relied on that footwork. And so he would back people down in the post, whether they're taller than him, shorter than him, he'd be able to elevate. And he was just iconic for that Kobe fadeaway. So that's a a move that I think, you know, he he always kept people guessing. He could score over anyone. You see footage of him scoring over people a lot taller than him. You see him fake the fade and go for a layup. Like it just became a vintage Kobe move. I knew you'd have the Kobe move in there. So I kept the Kobe out of my top five because I want to, I want to give you that one. Um, at number three, I had LeBron's chase down block, yeah. and this is something he has done his whole career. Still, players don't learn, and you, you don't see it coming. Yeah. But he's also uh, the reason I love these moves. He's done it at the biggest moment in yeah. in one of the the like they call it the the hardest championship to win that Cavaliers that where he blocked Iguodala to 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 seal that game. Um, I just think it's like one of the most scary moves coming yeah. from behind when yeah. you're going for a layup. You, you should never be. You should never know it's a, a done deal. Yeah, for sure. As the offensive player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got uh, at number two for me. I've got Magic Johnson, no look pass. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. I've got um, he just Showtime Lakers. He this what this pass his passing and his ability basically created this whole era of mm-hmm. Showtime Lakers. And yeah. this is what they were. It was it was Hollywood. It was Flash, and he was all Flash, and he was able to just yeah he was he was a master at at six foot nine playing the point guard. No look, just throwing the ball everywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. making his play, making his teammates better. Yeah. yeah. Um. He's he's he's. He's the greatest point guard of all time for a reason, if you don't count LeBron as a point yeah, guard. Yeah. Um, because, you know, yeah, his passing, he's probably one of the best, if not the best passer that's ever lived. And, yeah. and it was all about that no look. He'd look one way, drag the defender, and then boom. Showtime. No, it was, it was, it was awesome to look at. Um, at number two, I've got Kareem Skyhook. Mm. 
Um, and that's because this this guy made an absolute living off this off yep. this move. It's a, it's not it's not used really at all in today's NBA. You see it occasionally, but um, he he's he's the number one in all time points scored in the NBA for a reason. Probably going to get passed one day by LeBron James, but um, yep. he he made an absolute killing off that move with the Lakers and and winning championships. Yeah, it's my number one. So you my, are your my one? number yeah, one cool. is Kareem Skyhook. I think it's the they call it like the unreplicable move, right? It, no one has done it since him right mm. you, so no you you like you said you brushed over that but no one has done it since because yeah. no one can do no one can really rely on the skyhook the way he did yeah he mastered it and it was like no matter where he was on the court it was a layup no matter yeah, where yeah. he was on the court it was just into the skyhook didn't matter if he was out near the three-point line it was like skyhook and you, can, you can't like, stop that and he's <laughs> yeah he's what seven two seven yeah, three yeah. something like that and he was able to skyhook have that con- body control and the the balance to be able to throw up a sky hook and drill it over and over and over. Like you said, highest scorer in the history of NBA and for a, reason, a, a yeah. ton of them. Yeah, I don't yeah. know exactly how many points came from the sky hook, but it was a lot. I wonder if anyone's ever got that stat, how many points yeah. he's got from the sky it'd hook. It'd be really interesting to see. It'd be, a, it'd be more, like than, half? more than I would half? say it'd be a lot more than a lot of Hall of Famers' entire careers, yeah. career points. A yeah. lot of Hall of Famers' entire careers. 38,000 points is yeah. probably maybe in the and, 20s. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, at one, I had he was on your list, but I had Dream Shake, um, yep. Hakeem. Yeah, just such a such sick post moves. Um, his feet were impeccable the way, yep. and and it's really cool that he's trained like a lot of bigs in today's NBA. Yep. He's worked, worked a lot with Joel Embiid mm-hmm. before, and you see that you see that in today's game. So it's it's just that footwork never gets old. Yep. Um, if you have big man, I know the game's transitioning to three point shooting. But when you got those 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 post moves and 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 moving your feet like that, it's a it's an unstoppable unstoppable move. Yeah, it's still one of the best things to watch. Like, yeah. is a big with with great footwork, and you, it's like you said, you hate to see the game go away from it at times because mm-hmm. I because I love it. Bully ball. Um, but it's yeah. I think there's always a place for a big who can move right. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's in the post, that translates to being able to play on the perimeter in today's game and all that stuff. But yeah. The dream was was a big guy who had such incredible footwork, so that that's right up there as well. And um, now to jump into a little little bit of um NBL news, I'm just gonna rattle this off quickly. So um, me and Trent are gonna be watching a lot more NBL this season, getting a lot more into it. But um, Matthew Delvadova joined Melbourne United, so he's officially gonna be with the team. Uh, Sydney Kings made some big moves. They hired a new coach, Chase Budford, signed McCur Maker, Jalen Adams, who had played with Coach Budford in the NBA Development League before. Uh, the Illawarra Hawks are primed for, you know, a very big season behind Coach Gorge and Duop Reith and just, you know, really putting together those, you know, um, important pieces around the... My around, guy Gorge. Around My Gorge. Guy. They're going to be They're going to be very good this season. Yeah. I'm keen to, keen to watch a game. Um, Perth Wildcats, um, they lost their head coach who'd, who'd previously won, you know, six titles with the team. Trevor Gleeson, he's gone over to the NBA to join the Toronto Raptors as an assistant. And the um, they've hired a former Celtics assistant, Scott Morrison. Very funny, yeah. very funny <laughs> name right there. So he's... Um, He's had a lot of threats on his Twitter account because he's, you know, the name's yeah. related to our prime minister. So <laughs> yeah, that's always he, he funny. wouldn't understand coming over. Yeah. He's an American guy. He'd be like, well, "What is going on?" But yeah, yeah, pretty but, funny. But no, it's going to be very cool. The NBL's um, bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch that. I mean, trying to get, definitely be going to a few games. Um, get, get to Elora sometime, and yeah, yeah, for well, it. Uh, definitely. You know, uh, we saw in the Olympics the way Australia is trending. Australian basketball is trending. I mean, if there was ever an example, and I know a lot of them are in the NBA, but just as as an example of how good basketball in Australia has gotten, with there we are with a bronze medal in the Olympics, yeah. right? So, and that a lot of that comes from the NBL league, and, yeah. You know, obviously a lot of those guys play in America, but the NBL league is, is stronger than ever. And yeah, it's really exciting. So I encourage a lot of basketball mm. fans to get around it this season. No, definitely. Well, um, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, it's a, it's an interesting part of the NBA offseason. As I said before, there's not much going on, but 
we're gonna we're gonna find a few different segments to to keep things interesting and um yeah we'll see you guys next time yeah thanks for listening <laughs>